Let us pray. So, Father, fill our hearts with a sense of expectancy as we wait upon you. And the good work, Lord, that you will and desire to do in our lives during this season of Advent. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you here. It's been a rather full week or so here at All Saints Church with um, lots of events and also two funerals as we um, celebrated the life of both our sister Carol Stribula on Friday and then yesterday our sister Connie Odoms. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent, so happy Church New Year. Um, the whole calendar starts over, and starting today, we are in what is known as lectionary year B. So through most of the year, um, our gospel readings will be from Mark's gospel with some interspersed from the gospel of John as well. Traditionally, the first Sunday in Advent focuses on Christ's return or second coming. And this is reflected in the appointed scripture readings for today, as well as in our processional hymn, um, one of my favorites that drives Eliana crazy because I walk around the house singing it often. Um, Lo, he comes with clouds descending, I think, one of uh, Charles Wesley's masterpieces in terms of English hymnody. As I was thinking through my sermon earlier this week and praying about what I was to share, before I, this was early last week, even before I started writing, or decided which scripture text would be my primary focus, I very much had a sense from the Lord that the Lord was speaking to me about fear and the call to us as his people not to fear, to not be afraid. And for us instead to rest in the secure confidence we have in Christ our Lord. The reality is we live in a world filled with fear. Think about all of the current unrest and uncertainty in the world around us. People are filled with all the kind, wrong kinds of fear. Last year, Chapman University did a study of the top 10 fears of people in the United States. They were as follows. Corrupt government officials. People I love becoming seriously ill. Russia using nuclear weapons. People I love dying, the U.S. being involved in another world war, pollution of drinking water, not having enough money for the future, economic or financial collapse, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes, and the risk of biological warfare. And I think this list that I just mentioned is, whilst the top 10 is really the tip of the iceberg. These are overt fears that we see in the culture around us, but I think there are all kinds of other, even more subtle fears that, that dominate our culture as well, that, that play out in much more subtle but very real ways. Things like our obsession with social media, which encourages us to hide behind a screen or device rather than engaging people in authentic face-to-face -face relationships or fear, whether it be conscious or unconscious, of being uncomfortable with another person or being afraid to befriend them simply because of their nation of birth or their ethnicity or the color of their skin or their first language. Or the fearful lie that tells a person 
that she must be able to kill her own child, and without that so-called right, she could not succeed or truly be empowered in life. Or a culture of so-called free-spiritedness that, in so many cases, is simply a veneer hiding a fear of committing to marriage, or steady employment, or responsible adulthood and maturity. I think all of these are subtle fears, and there are far more that we see around us in our culture. Or the fear that keeps someone from placing their faith in Christ because it means submitting to the headship or the will of someone other than himself or herself. When in reality, true life, true freedom and deliverance from fear is found in Christ alone, and everything else is simply bondage. Even for many of God's people, there's a misplaced fear about Christ's return. When in reality, the prospect of this culmination of all time in history, whenever it happens, should fill us with a sense of expectancy and great joy. Even as St. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.8, we can and we should love his appearing. Looking at our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today, we find reason is God's people to have a secure confidence. A confidence not rooted in ourselves, not rooted in our abilities, not rooted in human progress. Rather confidence rooted in Jesus Christ and his redeeming and keeping power. Confidence in Jesus who has already won the victory for those who are his. And we can rest assured in this eternal reality. Now, to be clear, there is a fear of God that is fully and scripturally appropriate, and that fear is necessary. But fear of God in the biblical sense is something that sets us free rather than holding us in bondage. As Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In Psalm 34, we read, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Did you hear that? Those who fear him have no lack. The late Christian author Oswald Chambers put it this way. It is the most natural thing in the world to be scared. And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. So let's take a little bit more time to look at this reading from 1 Corinthians. It gives us a picture in light of the second advent of our Lord of where true security and confidence are found. And as we do this, keep in mind who St. Paul is writing to here. He's writing to Corinth. They had more than their fair share of messes and interpersonal conflicts, and yet God speaks, or, or God's word speaks to them through Paul of the grace that has come to them, that they are being sanctified through Christ. And they have a foundation, as we do, of, a, of secure confidence. For those in Christ, verse 2 gives us a clear picture of this foundation of secure confidence. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, 
called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. The word sanctified here in its most basic sense means that you and I, just like the Corinthians, as new creations, as true believers in Christ, are set apart. And this is something God does in and through us. It is God's work, not ours, but God calls us to surrender to this work of his in our lives. To be set apart for holy purposes. Think about it this way. Just as the utensils of the Old Testament temple were set apart exclusively for God's purposes, for the worship of God, they were set apart for holy use. So too, you and I are set apart to God, and we are set apart for God's holy use. This is God's work of transformation in us. But there's a second part to this as well, because we're also called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as God transforms us and continues to transform us, we will demonstrate holy behavior, behavior that shows that we are set apart to God and for his purposes. Behavior ways of being and doing, growing from the inside out, which reflect God's holy character, individually and together as the body of Christ. Because we no longer exist to serve our purposes, but we are to be set apart for God's purposes. Pope St. John Paul II, in his inaugural homily, in his very first Mass, after he was elected Pope in October of 1978, and some of you can remember that, spoke these words. Be not afraid. Open indeed, open wide the doors to Christ. It was in his very first homily. And those of you who can remember the context of that day, it was a spiritual, not a political, but a spiritual shot across the bow of all, for all, on behalf of all those believers who were entrapped behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe at the time. Be not afraid. And he knew what he was talking about because he had survived Nazi oppression that immediately was followed on the heels by communist oppression. He'd seen believers imprisoned and killed and tortured. But he continued with this theme similarly about 21 years later when he said this to a large youth gathering. Listen to this. Do not be satisfied with mediocrity. Do not be afraid to be holy. Did you hear that? Do not be afraid to be holy. Have the courage and the humility to present yourselves to the world determined to be holy since full true freedom is born from holiness. This aspiration will help you discover genuine love, untainted by selfish and alienating permissiveness. Do not be afraid to be holy, to be set apart for God. Living in godly holiness requires a right and freeing fear of God and the foundation of secure confidence that we are indeed those sanctified, those set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. 
Second, we have the fruit of confidence, of secure confidence. And this ties closely to our first point. Look at verses four through seven with me. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Then in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you, you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first fruit we see here of secure confidence is thanks or thanksgiving. That thankfulness is for the reality of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, which we have received and know and experience in Christ. And secondly, in Christ, we are enriched. We are enriched. This is a profound truth to ponder. That we have been enriched or made spiritually rich in God through Christ, and that is in every way. And this enrichment should set our focus even more on God. Because it is Christ who has poured those graces of speech and knowledge and so many other things into our lives as his people, as he sets us apart. And when Christ enriches us, we as God's people see the big picture. We discern and see things with a new light. We see things with spiritual eyes, with the eyes and the heart of God. And we are enriched in our understanding of what Christ has done in his first appearing, which has made all of this possible, the past. We are enriched in our knowledge of God, of how God is at work and using us for his purposes here and now, the present. And we look forward to the full and final consummation of Christ's work as we live for him, looking toward that day, the future. In the moment in which we live, we live as Christ enriches us in his, the life of his kingdom. And we will always look back with gratefulness to the cost at which that has been purchased. And we will keep in mind that in the present, all of this is still incomplete. But we, in the midst of that, will truly apprehend the truth that in Jesus we lack nothing. Because that's what God's word tells us right here. In him we lack nothing. And God indeed has and will equip us with, us with every good gift to be the people he has and continues to call us to be in these times. Despite temporal uncertainty and a world of shifting sands, we are indeed enriched and equipped in Christ. And brothers and sisters, there is nothing to fear. This is the God-given fruit of secure confidence that comes from the Lord to those who were his. And then finally, we have the future promise of secure confidence. And this is not some sort of positive thinking or whimsical hope. In Christ, God has called us. In Christ, God will sustain us all the way to the end. This is God's promise to every one of us who is in Christ. Jesus Christ, not you or me, or the things of this world, or the systems of this world guarantees this. And he is the one, above all else, who is faithful and true. Remember the words of the angel Gabriel to the mother of our Lord. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And to the shepherds on the night of our Lord's birth, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, 
that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Do not be afraid. Fear not. This is God's word to his people in every generation. In Christ, there is no need to fear. There's no place for fear. He will present us blameless as we yearn us blameless as we yearn for him and as we love his appearing. Then even in the glorious vision, as Charles Wesley captured so well in his hymn, for those who are in Christ, those dear tokens of his passion, still his dazzling body bears, cause of endless exultation to his ransom worshipers. With what rapture, with what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Brothers and sisters, we have a lasting promise of secure confidence. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, St. Paul writes these words. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear. Did you hear that? Not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. May God fan into flame his gifts and graces in us. And may he give us not a spirit of fear. He will not. But may he give us a spirit of power and godly love and godly self-control. To be the people he is calling us to be in godly character and holiness as we love and yearn for his appearing. And in this day when God has placed us here, and in this day when God has called us, not by accident, not by fate, not by coincidence, but by God's divine design, may we not shrink back, but step out in God's grace and God's power in this day to be the holy people he has called us to be. Be not afraid. Open indeed. Open wide the doors to Christ. Let us pray. So, Father, may we open wide the doors of our lives in this church ever more fully to Christ in this season of Advent. Lord Jesus, come among us by your Spirit. Renew in us the understanding that we are set apart for holy purposes, that we are set apart to be your people. Fill us with your perfect love that cast out fear and renew us a short confidence in you through godly fear, which sets us free from every fear of this world, from every bondage, to be the people you have called us to be, your salt and light in this day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.